Good morning, Golden Corner Church. Let me start off by saying this. I'm glad to see you. This is a good Labor Day weekend crowd. I appreciate the fact that you're here. And I want you to uh, give me permission to just talk with you for a few more minutes, okay? Now, last week, uh, if you weren't here last week, I didn't do a typical sermon. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to share a typical sermon again today. I felt that God put some things on my heart and told me he just wanted to come, he wanted me to come and share those things. And as I was preparing for this Sunday, I really felt like he said, Ronnie, you're not through. There's just a few more things you need to say to the church. I anticipate this will be the last Sunday that, that, you know, that's like this. And next Sunday I'll be back up there with a text and a sermon and we'll do all that. But for right now, there are just a few things I really feel that God has impressed on my heart that I've got to share with you that it's important that you know. There are four of them. Number one, there is more. You got that? There's more. Now, I've been serving local churches in Oconee County full-time for 28 years. And it's been my observation that there's a lot of folks... And for them, Christianity means that they had a conversion experience somewhere along the way. They invited Jesus into their life. They asked him to save them, and he did. He was faithful. And so they, there's a conversion date, and then they're looking ahead in time somewhere to, uh, to the date when they leave this world and they go to heaven. Unfortunately, for a lot of folks, that is Christianity. You were saved. And then one day you get to go to heaven. And that's the extent of it. And all you got to do in between is go to church some. And I've seen that so often. And I may be describing your brand of Christianity this morning. Maybe that's it for you. You had a conversion experience. You're waiting on heaven. In between, you're going to go to church some. It's my responsibility to tell you there's more. There's more to Christianity than that. And I don't want you to miss out on it. In between, you know, the day you were saved and the day you go to heaven, there are some things that are supposed to be taking place. I think I could describe those things with one word, growth. There's supposed to be some growth taking place in that time frame. You say, what kind of growth? Well, we've just talked about a couple of these, and so I won't elaborate at length on them, but we ought to be growing into Christ-likeness. That's what the Bible teaches. That within us, there's this radical change that's supposed to be taking place so that slowly but surely, progressively, you and I are becoming more and more like Christ. Not just a better you. Not just maybe a better person than your neighbor or your supervisor, but we're supposed to be growing into a person who is like Christ, unselfish, caring, gracious, merciful, forgiving, prayerful, obedient, dependent on the Father. 
we're supposed, to be, we're supposed to be able to look back over the course of time. This doesn't happen in a week or a month or a year, but over the course of our lives, we should be able to see that we're growing into someone who's like Jesus. The second area of growth is we should be growing into a more influential person. We weren't put on this earth to be thermometers. In other words, governed by our circumstances, we were put here to be thermostats. We're supposed to be influencing our environment that we live in. What I mean is that you, you, know, you and I should be able to see that with the passing of time, we're becoming more and more influential, more and more of a positive influence on the people that we encounter on a regular basis. In other words, if we hang out with non-Christian people, there should come a point in their lives where they're looking at us and going, I want what she's got. I'd like to have that. Or I'd like to, you know, if we're hanging around with Christian people who really don't take Christianity seriously, maybe they should, there should come a point where they look at us and go, I like their Christianity better than mine. Whatever it is they're doing, I'd like to start doing that. And you and I should be coming, we should be growing in our ability and capacity to be a positive influence on the people in our world. But there's a third way we should be growing. We should be growing closer to God. I think there's this misconception on the part of a lot of people that, that God is just this person right, that was written about in a book and you can read about him. Or that God is way up there and we're way down here. And he's kind of unreachable and mysterious and... And we all we think to ourselves, you know, one of these days when I get to heaven, I'm excited because I'm going to finally get to know God. That's not the way it is. The day that you and I were saved, our relationship with God was salvaged. We were, I guess you could say, introduced to Him, and we have been given the opportunity to get to know Him now. We have an opportunity to build a personal, real, meaningful relationship with God right now. And that's something that's supposed to be taking place in in the meantime. In between your conversion and the day you get to heaven, you're supposed to be growing into Christ-likeness, growing in your capacity to be a positive influence, and growing closer and closer to God in your relationship with Him. I need you to know that. There's more to this than just waiting it out and attending church some while you wait. You ought to be growing. There's a second thing I need to tell you. You're responsible. Going to Corner Church is here to help you grow. But the bottom line is this. There are certain things you have to do that you alone can do, that nobody can do for you. And if you don't do those things, if you don't act responsibly, we can't help you. You say, give me an example. Uh, Attending church. Some of you just braced. You're like, "Uh uh-oh, I don't know where he's going with this. It's not going to be good. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to be pretty. But there are certain things that you've got to do that you alone can do. One of those is attending church. One of those is 
practicing what you learn, putting into practice the things you learn while you're at church. Nobody can do that for you. Reading your Bible, praying, obeying God, doing what He leads you to do, sharing your faith, serving your fellow man. They're just things that you have to do if you're going to be growing, and if you don't do those things, we as a church can't help you. I remember this conversation I had with a gentleman who attended this church. We had a, at this point in time, we had a midweek adult class. We had a children's ministry. We had a student ministry midweek. And uh, it's right at time. It started at 7 o'clock. It's right at 7 o'clock. Guy, guy showed up, and he's walking out the door as I'm, as I'm trying to get in the class. He said, can I have a minute of your time? I thought, well, okay. And uh, he said, just as a courtesy to you, you've been a, you've been a good friend to me, and uh, he said, I just want you to know something. My family and I are going to leave Golden Corner. And we're going to this other church because we feel like at this other church we can grow. I said, that's, that's fine. I said, you know, I, I wish you well. I will miss you around here, but I wish you well. But before you go, I got a few questions I'd like to ask you. And question one is, were you about to go into the adult Bible study? And I haven't seen your wife. Is she and route going to join you in the adult Bible study? And he said, no. We were just going to drop the kids off and go get something to eat. Oh, okay. I said, uh, now what life group are y'all in? Y'all, y'all have gotten connected with other believers, right? He said, no. No, we hadn't done that. I said, do y'all serve in the church? Do you help out in any way? He said, no. Okay. I said, uh, here's a question just for you. Do you read your Bible? He said, no. Do you have a a, a prayer life, a, a legitimate prayer life? He said, I said, do you ever try to help another human being get to Jesus? Ever, in any way? He said, no. I said, I'm making a point. And the point is this. Golden Corner Church can't do magic. There are things you're responsible to do that only you can do, and if you're not acting responsibly, there's nothing we can do. And I'm telling you now because you're about to have your bubble burst because you're going to go to this other church anticipating that they can do magic. And I'm telling you, if you don't experience some kind of significant change in your lifestyle, you're not going to grow there either. You are responsible. Let's just kind of use this illustration. Let's say you go to your doctor next week. And uh, you're going to get the results of your blood work. You've had some blood work done. You've not been feeling well. And so you go back and your doctor sits down and says, Now, just, just noticing on your chart that uh, when you came in last week, you had gained 22 pounds in between your last, since your last visit. 
and your blood pressure was high last week, and your blood pressure was high again today. Now, we got the results of your blood work, and your cholesterol is completely unacceptable, so you triglycerides, and your doctor says, here's what I'm trying to tell you. You're not healthy. But I think with some lifestyle changes, you can be healthy. If you would change your diet, start exercising, give this time, I think that you can be healthy again. And so you act on your doctor's orders. You're thinking, okay, I, uh, first thing I'm going to do is go, I'm going to join a gym. So you go down to the local gym, and, and they give you the tour, and they show you all the equipment that's available They maybe introduce you to a team of personal trainers and maybe a resident dietitian who can help you, trainers who can show you what to do and how to do it, a dietitian that tells you what to eat, when to eat, and how much of it to eat. And so you join. Does that make you healthy? Is that all you got to do? Because if if that's all you got to do, I'm joining tomorrow. Is that it? That gym is a resource. The people there are a resource who are there to help you get healthy. The bottom line is, whether or not you're ever healthy depends on how responsible you're willing to act. I mean, if if you say, I'm going to go to the gym Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 6 a.m., is the gym going to send a shuttle out to get you? And if you stayed up late watching the TCU game on Thursday night, and you go, oh man, I forgot, I'm just too tired. Are they going to physically drag you into their van and make you go to the gym? No. What's your responsibility? Your responsibility is to go. And if you only go every other week to the gym, what hope do you have of getting healthy? I'm telling you none. You got to go, you got to go consistently enough, and you can't just go to the gym and hang out. What do you got to do? Whatever this physical trainer showed you to do, you got to do it. You have to do it. That physical trainer, she's not going to get down and take, put you on the treadmill and turn out and take your leg. Okay, that one, now that, do this one. They're not going to make you do this stuff. I'm sorry, Pat, I just spit and it might have been right in your direction. <laughs> I meant to forewarn everybody, move back three rows. (laughs) Nobody's going to make you do these things. You've got to do them. if, If the dietitian gives you the plan, you've got to abide by it. If you don't do your part, what chance you got of getting healthy? There is no gym anywhere that does magic. You're not going to walk into the gym and it's Pete's gym and Pete says, Susan, Bring me that magic wand, the one that's marked health. And they sit you down and they just tap you on the head with this health wand. And man, cholesterol levels drop, triglycerides drop. Blood pressure goes down to normal. Just like that. They don't don't have a wand that's marked. Susan, get me that other wand over there marked weight loss. And boy, they just take that magic wand and they 45 pounds gone, just like that. Oh, yeah, Susan, there's one more. That one marked ripped. Get it, because we're about to chisel this dude with one tap. <laughs> doesn't work that way, does it? I want you to know something. Golden Corner Church doesn't have a set of magic wands. I, I don't have the intimacy with God wand, and I can just go, 
you're close to God. I don't have the spiritual growth one. I just go, you're like Jesus. I don't have that. You know, I, I, I don't have this, uh, you're a great influence one. Now you're going to make a difference. You get what I'm saying? As a church, we have responsibilities. We're the resource. We're here to help you. But your spiritual health depends completely, totally, 100% on you. You. You are responsible. Number three. There's more. You went, uh oh. Ronnie's showing his age. <laughs> he doesn't realize, but he's already done the uh, there's more. Now, the first one I'm saying this, there's more for you personally. I'm saying now there's more for this church corporately. August the 16th, we had a commissioning service for Mark and Sheila Bagwell, and we celebrated a lot of the things that God has done for Golden Corner and through Golden Corner in the past 22 years. I want you to know something. I am incredibly grateful for all that God has done, but my sense of excitement comes more from what he's about to do. I'll tell you, if I thought he was done, I'd go get me a job at a fly shop. I would. I'm here not because of what he's done. I'm here because of what he's about to do. I want to be a part of it. Everything that God has done for Golden Corner and through us at this point is just the tip of the iceberg compared to what he wants to do. Uh, you ever, you know, we haven't had uh, network TV in five years, but we have Netflix and we have Amazon, and I've developed a, ha- a bad habit of binge watching TV shows. Does anybody know what I'm talking? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Binge watching. I remember I never had watched The Walking Dead. I hear all these people talking about The Walking Dead. So one Thanksgiving, Lynn and I got the whole week off, and I tell you what we're going to do: we're going to hike, we're going to decorate the house, we're going to we're going to prepare a great meal. We're going to it's going to be a great Thanksgiving. We watched. Season 1, episode 1 of The Walking Dead, and I tell you what, we watched all four seasons that week. Best vacation we ever had. Binge watching. I've been doing something the past two weeks. I've been binge listening to some of my old sermons. You say, you're a glutton for punishment. I just like good preaching. Now, most of you know that I have a chronic struggle with insomnia. I don't sleep much. But I, I thought, they I put two and two together the other day. I've been sleeping great for the past couple of weeks, and I know why. I've been listening to my own preaching. <laughs> I know why some of you sleep so soundly now during the service. But I've been binge listening. I bet I've listened to 40 or 50 of my own sermons, I guess, from 2008 until now. And I couldn't help noticing a recurring theme in these sermons. Something I just keep saying to this church and saying to this church and saying to this church. We got a great opportunity. We got a great opportunity. We got a great opportunity. I keep saying that over and over for the past seven years. There's no telling how many times I've stood before you and said, Man, I'm so excited because as a church, we've got this great opportunity. You say, What do you think it is? I don't know how it is. I don't know. 
maybe we'd call it a spiritual breakthrough. Maybe, you know, the, the, uh, our previous generation would call it a revival. Uh, I kind of want to refer to it as a work of God. I believe God wants to do greater things for us than he's ever done, greater things through us. And in the wake of this work, I believe that there'll be hundreds of people's lives who are eternally changed. I believe that we stand right on the brink of that, right on the threshold, but we've been standing there for quite some time. As good as the past has been, the best is yet to come. And that excites me. I want you to know, this was never intended to be our stopping point. There's more for this church. Number four, you're responsible. If we're going to go forward and experience whatever this is that God has placed before us, God has got to do his part. The staff of this church has to do their part. But you've got to do your part. And of all three of those, the most important is you doing your part. I know somebody just disagreed with me. It's okay. You can be wrong occasionally. I'm wrong once every 10 years. You say, I just don't think, I don't think, that, I don't think you'd be right on that. It kind of works like this. I don't care how good a job the staff does. If you don't, if you don't do your part, it don't work. Here's the kicker. If you don't do your part, God doesn't do his part. So I'm saying your part is the most important part. Biblical. Example, you know this story from Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy where the children of Israel had been in captivity in Egypt for 400 years and it's miserable and they're praying, God, will you deliver us, will you deliver us? And you know what? He heard their prayer and he said, I'm going to do that. So he put together a plan and the plan was to deliver them, lead them through a wilderness and then give them this wonderful land of their own. So he raised up a staff. There was Moses, there was Aaron, there was Caleb, there was, there was Joshua. Listen, this is an A-plus staff. And so God delivers them from Egypt, and he leads them through the wilderness, and they come to a place called Kadesh Barnea, and the only thing separating them from what God had promised them, the best was a river. And Moses sent 12 men in to spy out the land. He said, go in there and check it out and come back and tell us. And those 12 men came back and said, it's everything God said. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's beautiful. It's fruitful. Ten of them said, however, it will take work. It will take warfare. It will take faith. It will take God. And this is what we're suggesting. Let's stop right here. Let's forfeit it. We are free. We've made it through that miserable wilderness rather than go forward and acquire, you know, and access and possess what is best, what God wants. Let's just plant it right here. And the people made a decision. That's what we're going to do. This is good enough. Now, you'd think the staff would jump in right there and go, wait a minute, let's do some motivational videos, let's do some motivational talks, and maybe there's a marketing plan we could put together. There's got to be some way we can overcome the people's reluctance to do their part. They couldn't do it. And this was Moses, Aaron, Caleb, Joshua. This wasn't Ronnie, Tim, Scott, and so forth. They couldn't undo that. 
You say, but I bet you since it was the plan of God, God stepped in and he made them do it. No, he didn't. He said, if you won't do your part, I won't do my part. And we'll stop right here. And that whole generation missed out on the whole purpose of this. They missed out on what was best. We're not going any further unless the congregation of this church decides we're going to do our part. Now, some of you do. Please, don't, I don't want you to think I'm just throwing a blanket over the hole, but there's enough people here that don't that we're kind of stuck. I, I don't know why that is. I, I think sometimes we misinterpreted this building. I think there are people here that saw this building as our promised land. For 22 years, we've waited. And for 22 years, we've worked. And for 22 years, we've suffered. But but we've made it to the promised land. God gave us a building. And I think we've just kind of unpacked and decided this is it. This building was never designed to be a reward for our faithfulness and hard work. You know what this building is? I love this building, Keevan. I love it. You know what it is? I'm going to say it plain. It ain't nothing but a tool. That's what it is. This is just a tool. This is a tool that we use to try to help people engage in the worship of God. This is a tool where we assemble people together and we teach them the Word of God. This is just a tool. The reason God gave it to us is so that we could focus more and more of our attention on helping people. This is not the promised land. I got home last week from church, and I looked at Lynn, and I said, what did you think about it this morning? She said, that was the best non-sermon I've ever heard. Now, in my opinion, I'm liking this non-sermon a whole lot better. You know why? We're putting the grease to the squeak. If we're going any further, you're going to have to shoulder the load. Each and every one of you. Me too. And do your part. It's your call. Golden Corner Church in the end won't necessarily be what God made it. Or what the staff made it. It'll be what the congregation made it. When they decided to trust God. And do their part so that God was free to do his part. Say, so Ronnie, what is our part? Boy, I've got to make this quick. I've got two minutes, okay? We went over this back in the fall, so I'm not going to drag this out. Tim and I, in a series of sermons entitled Ready, Set. That's on our website, by the way. It's probably on our podcast if you want to go back. We outlined five words. Five words that would identify the responsibilities of each person in this church. Follow, connect, serve, give, invite. Follow. We ask that you follow Christ. Accepting him is one thing. Following him is something altogether different. 
to follow him. You acknowledge his lordship, that he is in charge of your life, and you commit yourself to the process of learning, trusting, obeying, learning, trusting, obeying, learning, trusting, obeying. Connect. To keep growing, you've got to keep going. You've got to keep moving. The problem with that is this. Sooner or later, life deals us such a blow that it knocks us flat of our back. It's going to happen. And when it does, sometimes it's hard to get back up. When I've been knocked flat of my back, you know what I've wanted to do more times than not? And that is give up right there. Never get back up. Call it quits. In those situations, you know what you need to keep going? You need to be surrounded by a small circle of people who are trying to follow Christ just like you, who recognize what happened to you, they recognize the situation you're in, they recognize you want to give up, and they fly in there. And through encouragement and kindness and prayers, they help you get back to, on your feet and move through that crisis so that you keep going. You need that. The third word is serve. Serve Christ by serving other people. Do you have to have a position in the church? No, you do not. I had some wonderful service opportunities come to me this week, and I didn't. I followed through with them, but not as a pastor, not even as a member of Golden Corner Church, but because I'm a Christian. But Golden Corner Church needs volunteers, people to get involved in order to do what it needs to do. And maybe that's your next step. And I'm, I, I know that we just keep talking about that and talking about that, and I'm not going to talk about it anymore. But the fourth is give. And that's a dirty word, I know. And let me tell you why it's such a dirty word in church. Because of those doggone televangelists. Now, you've got this figured out. Most of the men and women who have enough money to buy airtime are charlatans. They're phonies. They're on there for one reason, Gary. They want your money in their pocket. And so anytime now, the Bible has a lot to say about money, but it's hard for preachers like me to talk about money because of the reflection they've cast on us. The truth is, though, you go from Genesis to Revelation, God's work has always needed money to, be, to, to fund it. And if this is the church where God has planted you, then you ought to prayerfully, carefully determine what your part is financially. You ought to be doing that part. And the fifth step is invite unchurched people to church with you. We want to have engaging worship. We want to teach the Bible. But one thing we want to do on Sunday morning is we want to help some people find Christ. And we can do that right here. You know, I believe this. The number one reason that people are, don't want Christ is the church. He's beautiful, and I'm afraid sometimes the church has become hideous. It's our fault. Our hypocrisy, it's our fault. And I believe, I believe the only chance a lot of people have of ever finding Christ is the church has got to clean itself up and become the church again, and we've got to invite some people to come in and take a fresh look at it because it, you know, if we can diffuse all their misconceptions about church, we've got a chance of leading them to Jesus. Let's get the obstacle out of the way. There's more. And you're responsible. More for you, more for us. So in light of that, what am I asking you to do? Act responsibly. 
That's all I'm asking. Act responsibly. Fair enough? Thank you for being patient with me. Let me talk. Let's pray together. I thank you for this opportunity and for the people who sat here patiently listening to me with an open mind and an open spirit. Help us, God. I pray for these people that you'll help them sort through what were the ramblings of their pastor and what was a word from God. Whatever you want them to do, God, that's what I want them to do. I want to be faithful on my end and do my part. And see where this journey goes. But it's time to go. So have your way. In the name of Jesus, we pray together. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you so much.